Hello and welcome to the Not The Top 20 podcast Christmas party with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick. In this episode, we are going to re-predict the League One final league table, going from 24th to 1st, very very swiftly all within one hour I've got my good friend George next to me he supports a team in League One and what he doesn't know about League One no one knows about League One <laughs> we're going to start at the bottom George we've got Scunthorpe United finishing rock bottom in 24th this was the weekend they dropped into the relegation zone for the first time and we are predicting more misery for the Iron yeah, I mean, they are absolutely atrocious. They're so bad. There's no other way of putting it. They are awful going forward. They are terrible at the back. Mm. Um, when I went to, to go and see them play against Oxford a couple of weeks ago, or I mean, over a month ago now, uh, Oxford sac- uh, sacrificed a three-goal lead to draw three-all. But I said at the time that it seemed like a bit of a freak result mm. where Scunthorpe actually weren't very um, impressive whatsoever. Um, they can't stop losing games, even against poor opposition as well. Um, I, I don't know if... You can necessarily blame Stuart McCall. Um, it's bizarre because it's the you know the, the crux of the squad is a squad that got into the playoffs last season. It's hard to put your finger on it in general, isn't it? But they are rank. Mm. Just individual mistakes, the likes of which you cannot believe, and not just limited to one game, but every single time they step onto the field. Uh, and that's at the back. They've conceded 49 goals in 23 games. It's the worst in the entire EFL. And going forward, they're no great shakes either. And, and, and if anything, the goals seem to be drying up. So with a managerial change already having been made and no particular blame being apportioned to the new manager, Stuart McCall, not by yourself, not by many of the fans, and, and it doesn't seem like the, the owners and chairman are thinking of making a change, uh, it, it, it can be quite hard to work out what can and will change. What, what I found very bizarre, I mean, I, I said it, after the game on the podcast is that um, after the three-all draw Stuart McCall was on BBC Radio uh, Lincoln or Humberside and um, said that the aim was, was a playoff push yeah and that just seemed to me just bizarre to just not understand the position that, that his team he's managing is in and I think that in itself is a massive issue um, yeah I mean they're, they're absolutely desperate there's four relegation places of course in League One we've got to pick one-sixth of the league to finish in the relegation places and it's uh, not easy to do, not fun to do but actually, uh, no spoilers our bottom four in a slightly rejigged order very much the bottom four at the moment and uh, that will probably not end up being the case in terms of probability I'd say it's more likely than not that uh, the bottom four will change that someone will come out of it there's still 23 games to go but based on what we've seen based on what we considered to be uh, the case at these clubs it's hard to imagine these guys getting out of it so in 23rd you've got Wimbledon they got their first win under Wally Downs uh, yesterday Apaya scoring finally 3-19 and for him Jake Jervis scoring finally first goal of the season for him I think 17 appearances uh, they've only scored 17 goals in their 23 league games so that's clear where the problems lie um, we don't think necessarily that there's going to be a, a significant leap in, in, in results, a significant leap in, leap in performances under Wally Downs, and, and they're currently three points off, rooted to the bottom of the league, so another relegation team for but, us. But they're hard to work out because, the, you know, in terms of the data, the shot data, the XG data, they projected quite well most of the season. Mm. Um, but, and if Neil Ardley was still at the club, 
I would have pushed them to be outside the relegation zone. I just don't have any faith in, in the new manager that he's the, the right man for the job. Um, you know, if they if they continue posting the numbers that, that they have been, I'm sure that they'll get out of it. But I think the more likely scenario is that the the performances will dip. Third bottom, Plymouth Argyle, currently 23rd. We're saying 22nd. This is a team who, in terms of performance data, have been poor all season. This is a team who, for much of the season, because of their remarkable turnaround last year from the same position, people were sort of nod, nod, wink, wink. That's not the phrase. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Saying that Plymouth will you know, maybe get out of it, go on one of those crazy runs like they did last year. Not the case so far. They do pull out a win every four or five, it seems, when they really desperately need to. But ultimately... But that's not enough, Ali. It's not enough. A 3-0 loss to Accrington yesterday. Yeah. Just sort of sums it all up, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's an awful defeat. Accrington on the back of a really poor run. Uh, short of confidence. Not having one on the road for a while. And to go there and beat Plymouth 3-0 is, is a massive issue. It looked like they were going to have a similar season to last season. Um, after I was quite rude about Derek Adams, the results turned around pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you have to think they'll stick with Adams, given the job he's done there. Uh, but, but it looks fairly desperate. They've got to, if they are to turn this around, make some defensive additions in January. Do anything, do something to shore up the defence because that is what's undermining them at the moment. A bit like Scunthorpe, they cannot be sure, they cannot be confident that they're going to keep a clean sheet heading into any game. And when you're down at the bottom, uh, it puts more pressure on the attacking players. Uh, Graham Carey, his output has massively been reduced this season. Ruben Lemires, uh, inconsistent at best. Freddie Ladapo uh, has notched a decent amount of goals for a striker in a relegation team. But again, too much pressure on him to 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 perform to provide the goals, and and it's not working at the moment. Plymouth in twenty second, in twenty first, Bristol Rovers, currently without a manager. Uh, Michael Flynn, the favourite, the the Newport manager. I don't see that happening personally. That might look stupid in a few days' time if he's appointed. Begs the question: Who will take them forward in the second half of the season, uh, and and whether. Whether there's any light at the end of the tunnel, we're saying not a huge amount, really. It's just it's surprising with them to, to sack a manager who's been so important. That, I mean, I, I get that part; it, it had gone stale, but they don't seem to have a contingency plan. They mm. don't seem to be aware. It's, it's similar to what happened at Wimbledon. Surely you have an idea of where you're going to go next if you sack someone like Daryl Clark. Sound some people out. Well, I mean, Steve Cottrell was smashed in the betting as soon as the news broke. Mm. So you thought that that was what they'd done, but now he's nowhere to be seen. So. Yeah, I mean, I went down to the Memorial Ground um, last month or two months ago and then it was a, a dire game, um, devoid of much quality whatsoever. Um, and it's hard to say much positive about Bristol Rovers. We've got Gillingham just above the relegation zone. And there was a, a part of me that wondered if we could get Gillingham into the relegation places. I don't mean <laughs> to be rude necessarily, but they're an odd team, Gillingham, because they've got one of the headline players in the league in Tom Eaves one of the top goal scorers in the division and someone who has performed admirably all season, who has caused opposition defensive uh, back lines an absolute nightmare and scored the goals to boot. And yet this is a side that sits currently only four points above the relegation zone, that's lost 12 of its 23 games and concedes an awful lot of goals. And there have to be huge worries there. I think the performances of Eves um, have masked huge imbalances in this team and when Eves and Dean Parrott 
have performed at the best of their ability, we've seen this team win games. And when they haven't, which has been regular as well, we see them lose games. Now, I'm worried about Gillingham. I'm worried about the future of Tom Eaves, whether the club might try and cash in on him while his credit's high. It's hard to imagine his value ever being higher than it is right now. Uh, and and it would be a huge test of, of strength of, of the club, of the chairman, uh, if they keep hold of him. And that would clearly be a positive. That's why we've got them just above the relegation zone. If they lose Eves, hugely, hugely worried about them. At the moment, we've got them in 20th. And just above them, Georgia team in Rochdale, very, very hard to put your finger on, aren't they? I mean, a, a, win, at, <laughs> a win at South End yesterday, an away win, very, very impressive. Uh, a team in the past that we've been quite positive about. But despite from the outside looking in, Keith Hill being an institution there, uh, not always an easy rep- uh, relationship, I should say, with the fans. Uh, and quite often, results haven't been hugely impressive either. Yeah, it, it surprises me to hear that the fans are, are, are taking issue with, with Hill. Um... Well, I don't think it's all of them. I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's overbearing, overwhelming. But there's definitely been a creeping um, disillusion from some fans with the decisions that Hill makes over the last few uh, over the last, I'd say, over the last year, over the last 18 months is how long I've noticed it. Uh, and the sale of Andy Cannon to Portsmouth, which looks like it'll happen, one of Rochdale's better players, that's not going to help at all. No, no, it's not. And But they're another team who you wonder what the expectations were at the beginning of the season. Um, because for me, they're, they're always going to struggle to, to be higher than you know, a mid-table club given their budget and the size of the club. Um the reliance on Ian Henderson is obviously massive. Uh, he is their talisman, uh, top goal scorer, and he's so important to them. Um, but yeah, as I say, they're, they're, they're almost punching above their weight by being in the league in itself. Mm. So to expect more from Hill than, than, than survival seems harsh. Yeah, you have to wonder who would come in and, and make more of an impact. I'm not saying that Keith Hill is, is perfect, but you do have to wonder at this level who could take Rochdale uh, much higher uh, and build something more long term who knows who knows we've got Walsall above them in 18th now this represents quite the fall actually Walsall currently in 11th uh, George mm-hmm. uh, but we've got them down in 18th now they had such an impressive start to the season and it's been slowly tailing off slowly diminishing but there's cause for, for, for wider concern, isn't there? Yeah, they're, they're projecting very badly uh, in terms of the data. Their XG ratio um, is very poor indeed over the season. I think they're fourth or fifth bottom. In the last eight games, they are second bottom for that. Um, they're in a false position in the league because of their good start. Finding even very hard to keep teams at bay at the moment. And even that good start, I mean, they were never as good as the points they're picking up. Um, they've probably got enough points on the board now to not have to worry too much about relegation. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, performances have to improve or, or you think there could be a bit of an issue in a couple of months. I'm sure Walsall fans listening to this won't like to hear that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think something's got to change. I think one of the positive signs is that despite very poor performance data, fears that have been reflected by some of the fans as well, many of the fans, uh, the, the impending departure, it seems, of Josh Ginelli, um, their talented wide man, not necessarily their key player this season, but certainly a... Uh, a good first team player for them uh, is that th- this is a team that shows character that shows those sorts of intangible things that um, we find hard to, to truly measure but uh, to me anyway this is the sort of team that 
scores late goals that plays to the end that the fans can identify with and, and, and that can take you uh, an extra few percent uh, on top of your performance level. I think that's a positive for Walsall, something to cling on to. It, it has been a, a positive start to the season, but we do think that there are some some worrying things at play. We've got Burton above them. Burton, I mean, how on earth do you judge a team that's in the Carabao Cup semi-finals, having beaten <clears throat> three or four teams in the leagues above them, who, in a handful, and I mean you can count them on one hand of games this season have looked brilliant and in many games this season have looked really, really poor. We've got them down in 17th, uh, which again is one down from 16th. A team, <laughs> well, who, well, yeah, but, but, but a team, a team who, are, who are very much in the news for positive reasons at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you always say it with clubs doing well in cup competitions, um, but I think the cup run won't help them. Um, Bristol City last season got to the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup mm. played Manchester City over two legs and only won four games in from the rest of the season um, those games I think will take a physical and mental toll on the players and, and even now realistically because they're, they should have enough points on the board to be safe um, it, it's a two-game season mm. uh, which, which doesn't help them um, he's, uh, I mean, Clough, Clough. It's another one where how because they went up last, they went down last season, and because of the size of the club, because they're punching up their weight so much, how do you judge them? Mm. Um, if they lose Liam Boyce in, in January, that'll be very difficult to, to stomach for, for their fans and, and to get over. Um, but as you mentioned, I mean, they they're unbeaten in the games after their Carabao Cup games as well until so, this weekend. Until this weekend. Yeah, when they lost to Luton. They did, yeah. No shame in that. No shame in that at all. I'm going to make an early call because we've been very negative so far. So a first flash of positivity. I think that for Burton to finish 17th and the cash that they will raise from the Carabao Cup run uh, would be a a, a net positive, essentially, for for this season. And given a genuinely impressive recruitment record over the last three, four years, especially what they've been able to do from the Scottish market, uh, I would uh, predict a decent finish next season if some of that money is able to be reinvested back into the playing squad. So that's an early prediction, but it is 17th for Burton. So it's, it's, not, it's not pure joy, but those semi-finals against Man City will live long in the memory. We've got Fleetwood in 16th. They're 12th at the moment, so already... You're hearing a few teams dropping down, which means there are surely a few teams looking upwards. We'll get to them in a second. Fleetwood, 16th. Just a team that... God, I'm going to break the record here for... I can't put my <laughs> finger on them. But they've got some excellent players. Chad Evans, Paddy Madden up front, Wes Burns, um, Ash Hunter on the wings. Ross Wallace is there. Um, so do we blame the manager? Conor McElhenney's there. They're just not quite impressing at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree. Do we blame the manager? Do we? You've got to suggest that he's not getting the best out of his Absolutely. squad. Absolutely. And, and I've been surprised about how quiet Barton's been. Um, you know, a, a lot of fanfare when he was appointed manager. I think we expect him to, to, to be in the headlines quite a lot. But realistically... It's great timing for this, given that he was sent to the stands yesterday. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, that is one. But even yeah. so, I mean, he's not a particularly loud... Yeah, for a manager, you don't see his sound bites very often. No. Um, but as you say, given the squad that he's got at his disposal, um, his contacts in the game and his stature certainly helped get that group of players together. Um, but at the same time, he's not getting them into a functional football team, which is his job. So um, in terms of, of Barton as a manager, I think the most positive thing you can say is that the jury's out. 
Good home form, horrendous away form. In terms of the data, they project fairly low, sort of uh, 17, 18th over the course of the season in terms of XG ratio and actually uh, getting worse. So towards the bottom end in the last eight games. So a worrying trend for Fleetwood. We've got them in 16th, dropping a few spots. We've got Accrington in 15th, George. Um, of course, another team that for this, this represents a, a drop of five places, but um, for whom... Uh, being part of this mid-table bunch, uh, and it is very much a bunch. I think you know these teams. We'd put a, a cigarette paper between them all, really. Um, Accrington slowing down from a fast start, but w- with that win against Plymouth showing that they're not. You know, there's no need to, to really panic, is there? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a massive win for them. I think, um, given what had happened, um, sacrificing a couple of good positions as well. Um, the data maintained a pretty high level during that that tricky run. Um, had them about mid-table. Uh, it was always unlikely they were going to maintain the the fast start that they had, um, and especially you know given their budget compared to the rest of the league, what they're doing is impressive. Um, still in tenth place now. Um, you know we're predicting a slight drop off, but at the same time a, a team who who deserve massive plaudits and in their first season at this level. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do next season. Southend in fourteenth. They're a strange team this season. They've played twenty three, one nine. Uh, lost 12, drawn only two. I can't imagine there are any teams in the top four, five, six tiers who have drawn fewer than two games. Um, it's been a turbulent season for them thanks to injuries. And it's a really interesting one, injuries. Y- you look across the EFL and there's basically every single team can say, well, we- we've been affected by injuries as well. We've had key players out. Of course, that's always going to be the case. It feels like Sunderland have, have really taken... Uh, sorry, Southend have really taken it to the next level. Um, heart, you know, Two-thirds of their potential first-team pool out through injury at different points of this season. And it's, and it's made Chris Powell's job very, very difficult. At the same time, uh, with what he has had to work with, uh, they've not been particularly impressive. And especially over the last uh, few weeks, there has been a worrying trend downwards. The, the loss at home to, to Rochdale this weekend uh, is another example of that. I guess what I'm saying with a 14th place finish, despite it being... Uh, one place down from where they are now in 13th is that I think this team will Im- improve ultimately, will we'll not drop too far. Uh, a team that, that can and will be a perfectly good mid-table side, but who is still dealing with uh, the, the lack of, of key players that would otherwise be available. Um, and I, I just, it's, it's a shame really because they might essentially wave goodbye to a whole season based on... on bad luck ultimately and that's disappointing to take but um, this South End side that we don't see being any better really ultimately than 14th and 13th George the big risers I'd say there's two big risers from the bottom half uh, it's Bradford City they've just punched their way out of the relegation zone uh, crazy really they went from bottom uh, to 20th in the space of two wins which is amazing really but uh, indicates we think despite it only being two wins, the pathway that they're on. We're, we're picking them to move all the way up to 13th here. Yeah, it's, it's important not to get carried away with, with good runs. But I think but that's what we're doing. Well, no, I think with them, it's, it's a little bit different. That there, there are so many reasons and factors as to why they were so poor. And, and that's changed. Um, we're seeing players that we thought would be good players at this level. Um, the likes of Jack Payne finally um, showing their true colours. Um, Rahech leaving uh, has certainly brought around a, a air of positivity at the club. David Hopkins as a manager is obviously now getting... Uh, this team both scoring plenty of goals and, and tightening up at the back. So it, it, it's it's a 
poor league, I would say. There, mm. there are a lot of bad teams in League One this season. Um, and it, it won't take many more victories for Bradford to, um, to, to rise the table. Yeah, that's where we've got them right up there. Key attacking players coming to the fore in recent weeks. And, and that's hugely encouraging for them. Uh, that, that change in atmosphere around the place has truly translated onto the pitch. And we'll see how far that can take them. We've got Wickham in 12th Wickham in ninth at the moment they had a, a they flew up the table of course with uh, an exceptional run of of form including many home wins in a row and then bang they lose at home to Wimbledon a team that had lost seven away games in a row that came off the back of, of that draw against Gillingham so it's an interesting one we spoke to Gareth Ainsworth on the podcast off the back of their sensational run in which they had taken down many of the, the league's top teams and you know I said to him you've got a on paper, easier run coming up. But we know that's not always the case. And he seemed adamant that he wouldn't accept anything but, you know, top, top level performances from his team. Instead, we've seen, dare I say it, a slight regression to the mean. Uh, and this Wickham side, again, another one of the teams promoted from League Two last season, uh, for whom, uh, you know, being in the top 10 itself was an incredible achievement, start to move back towards where they are. I mean, when we talk about mid-table... Nothing sums it up better than the fact that Wickham are ninth with 32 points, um, Shrewsbury 15th with 28. So there's basically one win between a lot of these teams. It's incredibly interchangeable. Um, it's not at all set in stone. But we've got um, Wickham finishing in 12th, which would represent an unbelievable season, quite frankly. Uh, what about Coventry, George? They're a funny one. There's not necessarily been, I think, a run of form that their fans have been that thrilled about but another team up from League 2 last season through the playoffs don't forget who are not a million miles away from the playoffs at the moment in League 1 and, and certainly in terms of the data project relatively well yeah they're a difficult one um, from a betting perspective uh, I would flag them as a team to kind of keep your eye on um, because you know four or five weeks ago they looked like the, the team who were projecting well um, in terms of the XG data but weren't getting the results and you thought that would uh, mean the results came but instead they've, they've lost four games on the bounce mm. but the performances still remain pretty good so as, as someone who believes in this stuff you yeah. have to say that, that it's going to improve um, yeah, I mean it obviously yeah, I mean, losing four games in a row is never good in the league um, they need to work out that winning way I, I'd have been very surprised if you told me you know, a month and a half ago that we'd be sitting here um, and they wouldn't have picked up the points. Um, but at the same time, it's a very young squad. Mark Robbins is a fantastic manager. Um, as you mentioned, they came up last season unexpectedly, I would say, as well. Uh, so I think a 10th place finish would be, or 11th place finish would be would be a massive achievement. There was that period of the season where we were talking about them uh, fairly regularly after Connor Chaplin had joined. He was making an instant impact, seemed to be the missing link in that attack. And they were scoring goals, which Chaplin was contributing to hugely whether in terms of scoring it himself or, or assisting just seems like that output's dropped off a little bit that performance level has dropped off slightly and and that attack can be incredibly claggy I, I think that's a word that you use for pasta isn't it when it gets a bit sort of gloopy uh, and that's how I think of Coventry's attack just a bit <laughs> just a bit claggy but like uh, pasta yeah I think that's fair I think that's a very visceral description I think it's a description that many of our listeners will understand and appreciate given that I believe there are many of our listeners who enjoy a bowl of pasta um, two, three times a week. Wow, it's quite a lot. Yeah, it is a lot, but it's, uh, it's a delicious food. Um, 
into the top 10, George. Oxford United. Yeah, eyebrows will be raised, I'm sure. Mine are raised. Well, I chose it and yeah. mine are raised. Um, they're, not, they're 18th at the moment, so we're, we're saying they're going to rise eight places. But the team in, te- in 10th at the moment, eight places above them, only five points away. If, the, if this form continues, well, of course, they'll make up a five-point difference. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Oxford are bottom of the league just, just quite recently. Um, one loss in 16 in all competitions. Um, I think it's five wins on the bounce at home. It's it, Oxford are currently in a false position. Uh, Marcus Brown and Gavin White are, are too good for League One. Um, Rumours that Brown might be leaving for pastures new in January. I'd be very surprised. I think that the loan the loan deal works very well for all parties. He's very happy. Uh, West Ham should be happy that he's playing games and scoring goals. Uh, Jordan Graham coming in on, on the 1st of January is a, a big signing as well. A lot of quality in wide areas. Um, Do you reckon there's any chance Carl Robinson might be a pioneer managed to put four or five wingers on the pitch at one time. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. That would seem like the well, especially, obvious. Especially with Holmes coming back from injury as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's playing James Henry, who was a winger in centre midfield. So he's already... <laughs> and uh, and weirdly, he used to play Shandon Baptiste, who's a centre midfielder on the wing. So Brilliant. Um, and a big thing about, about Robinson as well is he got a lot of stick and, and, and very nearly got the sack. So... Well, I mean, I say nearly got the sack and a lot of fans wanted him to get the sack. Um I, I think it's only fair to give him massive credit here because uh, his career as a manager would have been um, in a bit of trouble if he got sacked from this job. Yeah. Um, but now I think he has the support of the uh, of the fans at the moment. Um, the, the start probably means that a, a playoff push is out of the question. But as you say, if the current form levels continue, um, then naturally, I mean, I can't believe that we're still 18th. Yeah. Given how good we've been for for a prolonged period of time. Um, I, I think it's because we were just so bad to start with. I'd like to say on behalf of myself and of uh, the listeners that like you, which I, th- I still think there are some, um, I think you dealt with Oxford being bottom of the league very, very well in hindsight. Thanks, mate. Um, we spoke about it a lot early on. It was it was inescapable. It was an, an elephant yeah, it was in tough. the room. Uh, and actually looking back, I, I really do think you dealt with it quite well. So, But quite a nice moment as well was me kind of slagging off Carl on EFL Matters on Sky Sports mm. and then getting an email from someone uh, who I know who works closely to the club saying that Carl watched it and he loved it yeah quite what was nuts. the phrase you use he likes the cut of your jib he likes the cut of my jib yeah so Carl if you're listening give me a call um, let's have a nice chat about uh, recruitment in January give me a call <laughs> yeah give me a call um, it's a funny one isn't it moving Oxford up eight places it smacks of bias but Give, a, give us a call in May that's what we're saying yeah exactly yeah. haters listeners how many times have I said that to Sunderland fans in the last six weeks a lot it's like copy and paste it is we've got Shrewsbury in ninth this is, this is another big riser Shrewsbury in 15th at the moment up to ninth George I think it's fair to say that for both of us Shrewsbury are one of the League One teams du jour one of the flavours of the month absolutely um, Again, there it's were, a data thing. Well, again, you know, football's played on grass, you know, but at the same time, yeah. it was uh, even under um, the previous manager, uh, they were projecting very well. Um, Sam Ricketts has come into the club. He's obviously an intelligent guy, um, came with a good reputation from Wrexham fans. I always think it's good when when fans turn on you for leaving. It's, yeah. it's normally a good sign that you've, you've got a good one. It's because they really love you. Exactly. It's because they don't want you to leave. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, huge win over Coventry. Um, is important for Ricketts as well because it gets them off on the front foot and the positivity around the club will be high. Um, they've won, you know, they've won four of their last six games in all comps, just losing one 
If you take that on to, I think it's 10 games, they've lost just two of those games. So they're on a good run of form as well. And similarly to Oxford, because the, con- there's congestion in the league, it's not going to take much for them to rise up pretty quickly. And um, I think they'll do that. Two players that we wouldn't have spoken about from the start of the season that took a bit of time to get going, but who are muscling their way into the conversation of top, top and underrated players in this division are Fajiri Okanabire, who's been playing up front for Shrewsbury. He's been an absolute handful over the last few weeks. He's class. Uh, he, he was playing for England C last year, picked him up from non-league, brilliant signing. And equally, Greg Doherty, who is, of course, uh, a Rangers loanee. Many Rangers fans are wondering whether they can get him back because, again, his performances from midfield, uh, especially dead ball situations, absolutely fantastic. And these two guys are, are a key part of, of Shrewsbury's move up the table, which we are predicting to continue all the way up to ninth. It would be nice, wouldn't it, for, for Shrews fans who really went through the ringer from, let's say, the start of May onwards. Um, binned off, of course, in, in the playoff final, um, losing their talismanic manager, losing... I would say probably half of the squad that had taken them so far. Uh, a new manager didn't work out, a really poor start to the season. It, it was a helter-skelter few months and it's, it's great to see the club um, not suffer too much because ultimately a lot of those problems came from them having massively overachieved. So uh, good stuff really for Shrewsbury. We've got Blackpool above them in eighth. There's still a sense, certainly for me, George, if I'm honest, that Blackpool, who are eighth at the moment, who have flirted with the playoffs, who have probably stuck their nose inside the playoffs a few times over the last few weeks. There's still question marks for me uh, about this team. They're still in the FA Cup. They went pretty well in the Carabao Cup, losing eventually to Arsenal, doing a very good job against Arsenal. Uh, and yet I still have reservations. And, and I think that it comes down to the unfashionable nature of this side. Uh, quite aside from everything happening off the pitch uh, and the the boycott and the the unsightly nature of games at Bloomfield Road with whole swathes of stands completely empty. Uh, but it's a manager that we didn't know about, a caretaker turned permanent manager and a, a set of players again who, you know, we've said to each other before, this is a team that is relying on Armand Nondouillet really to score the goals. It's- yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of his. I, I don't... It's going to be weird this because we're kind of slagging off a team who, we, who we're saying are going to do quite well but because of where they are in the league at the moment it's impossible to really put them lower but I don't think either of us are massive fans of them. I don't really see where the quality is in the, in the team. Um, their, their defensive record is obviously very good indeed. They kind of remind me of, of Middlesbrough and the way that they pick up points. Well, um, maybe the quality is in is the, the team. Well, yeah, exactly. Not to get too deep about it but you say I don't see where the quality is in the team. Maybe the team is the quality. And yeah. we've seen them pick up points uh, and and be incredibly good at shutting out the opposition uh, and win close games. And as we've seen with multiple teams since we've been doing the podcast and before, that can take you quite a long way when you're the team that seems to come out on top in, in tight games against other mid-table teams. Suddenly you become slightly better than mid-table. Spot on. Couldn't put it better myself. Well, that's <laughs> great. We've got Peterborough in seventh, just outside the playoffs. Do you think Peterborough fans will complain about this? Do you think Peterborough fans will be surprised about this? Now, for context, listeners, non-posh listeners, we've not always had the easiest relationship with them, uh, not least at the start of the season when Posh, of course, raced to the top of League One. And George was pretty adamant that that was, as he often says in very very easy terms, a false position. Uh, And they've been 
dropping ever since feels like the last few weeks things have got even worse uh, and there's definitely some bad feeling there at the same time they're, they're still fifth they're still in and amongst it it, it says a lot you, you see a lot of fan unrest about the style of football that's played at Peterborough at the moment um, Darren McAntony the, 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 the chairman spends a lot of time on Twitter defending the players and, and, and the manager um, I, yeah I, I don't think they're very good to be honest I, I think that they got very very lucky early on in the season um, their away record is obviously decent um, but having said that, they are being outplayed by by poor teams. I mean, you look at the Warsaw game; um, they should be putting teams at Warsaw away comfortably at home. And, and um, yeah, it was the other way around, basically. Uh, exactly. We were told that Warsaw were the better side. That's yeah. from posh fans. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, I don't think I'd be surprised if we get um, you know anything beyond just the the tribal um, offence that people take when you when you slug off their club. But I think even though they're currently fifth in the league. The majority of Peterborough fans aren't particularly happy with how um, the direction the club's going on the field. Do you think Lee Tomlin coming in on loan could make a difference? It doesn't seem obvious in terms of their style of play. Yeah, not really. Um, I saw a tweet this morning saying that someone had, had gone to watch Peterborough yesterday and came out with a sore neck. Um, right, because it's it, like tennis. Is that is that the suggestion well, it's there? It's like long balls, isn't it? Um, long ball tennis. Yeah. Nice. And so I don't know how Lee Tomlin can... can help with that I mean he obviously he's a quality player um, but uh, yeah I mean, I'm not looking at that as being a, a signing that's going to transform their season it's a funny one with regard to Steve Evans isn't it because this is a team that was completely overhauled in the summer and you have to say when you bring in whatever it was 15 plus new players and get rid of 12 plus players that there's going to be a bit of time to take to adapt seems like it's gone the other way seems like they started unbelievably well like they gelled really quickly it seems like they're coming unstuck almost in the last few weeks and and with these question marks about style of play um, and that essentially I think the suggestion is that posh at their best are when their talented individuals are playing well as individuals ultimately um, it's not necessarily where you want to be so we've got posh uh, just dropping out of the playoff places so top six now it's a good place to be we've been really impressed with Doncaster all season and do you know what across all three divisions it'll be our worst prediction I think personally even if it's not the one that has the biggest gap ultimately which might be Brentford might be whoever I still think this is the worst of all and I think you led it I did lead it yeah fine but I also led Leeds being yeah Fine. I mean, they were only eighth, <laughs> and then we've just tipped them to win the championship. So let's not get into. You ruined it for the lads who haven't listened to the championship podcast. Let's not get into tip for tat, shall we, George? Okay, um, or tip for tat. Nice, Thank nice. Um, Doncaster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doncaster. I'm, I'm really impressed with. Um, I think that they are a are arguably um, the best team out of the top two, maybe. Ooh. Um, at the moment on current performances so the best team outside of Portsmouth and Luton um, they John Marquis as we know is is a top top striker at that level um, they play a, a decent brand of football they're a team I could easily see challenging we've got them in sixth I could see them finishing higher I don't agree with you that they're the best team out of the top two but I definitely think that they're uh, a better side than Peterborough, a side that will ultimately accrue more points than Peterborough over the course of the season, which is why we have them uh, in sixth. They've been uh, a joy to watch, really, since the start of the season. Um, they had a, a, a blip 
like many teams will, uh, a run of um, of seven games in which they lost five. And outside of those two, they have been fantastic, uh, absolutely fantastic scoring goals. Uh, they've had many games where they've shut the opposition out. They just seem a very complete team, a very balanced team, uh, a team with players who contribute going forward from midfield, from out wide, from through the middle up top in Marquis as well, which is a huge improvement on, on previous seasons for them. Uh, and the job that Grant McCann has done there, quite sensational uh, in in relation to what we expected, ultimately. Yeah. And I think that that's my my main apology, I suppose, goes to Grant McCann. Uh, the reason we had Donny down in the bottom four, we had his tenure at Posh to go on. We didn't think too much of it. Posh didn't think too much of it, quite frankly. I remember the chairman saying we probably gave him more time than we would have given to another manager because he was such a legend here as a player. When you read those things, you get a certain image and uh, it's, it's, it's not played out at Donny. It's been quite the opposite. Absolutely fantastic. We got them in sixth. We got Charlton in fifth. Um, is this just to, to, to please your best mate, Johnny Jackson? Or uh... <laughs> No. Uh, I think we've said it a lot of times before, just the strike duo of Grant and Taylor is, is so good. And a Jose and as a Jose, well, as a third, as exactly. a foil. So, uh, crucially to this, is keeping hold of him. Um, I'm not sure whether or not um, the owner will be looking to cash in uh, in January, um, especially with the difficult Who knows? surroundings. Yeah, I mean, the difficult circumstances there could mean that he wants to sell before players, before the club. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're so impressive. Uh, the Lebo, yeah, made a really really good start to his managerial career and after the disappointment of the playoffs last season um, I, th- I think we can pretty safely it would be a big shock if they weren't um, in the playoffs again any team that wins seven out of eight games has to be taken hugely seriously and that's the case with Charlton they lost away at Blackpool uh, but otherwise it's seven wins in eight now the majority of those wins have been against teams below them of course they have but it includes an away win at Charlton it includes three, no, four 2 0 wins against Doncaster, Walsall, Wimbledon, and Gillingham. They have, without many people noticing, gone from a team that seemed like a, a great team going forward, struggling a little with consistency and possibly uh, not that solid at the back, to a bit of a winning machine. Uh, and that's what's seen them really secure their, their, their playoff position. Seems impossible for us that they will lose that now. But I think we believe them to be one level below uh, what we would consider to be the top four. Yeah. And that's where we're going now. We've got Barnsley in fourth. Barnsley and Sunderland in fourth and third. I think it's fair to say... If it was we probably, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's fair to say we, we probably don't agree on this and that's not surprising. It'd be, it'd be boring. It'd be rubbish, quite frankly, if we um, believed in everything. Yeah. Um, but I, I have my way here. So Sunderland in third. But Barnsley in fourth, you, you're not writing them off, are you? But they haven't necessarily fulfilled what we hoped from them at the start of the season. They've been disappointing, to be honest. Um, again, the, the numbers are very good still, um, but I expect them to, to basically walk this league after the first couple of games. Um, so to see them, I mean, they were outside the playoffs before their win uh, yesterday, um, a big away win uh, that that was as well. Uh, but you, you've got to be slightly disappointed that they're not right up there in the, in the top two or three because mm. the, the manner of the football they play you might think back to when they played live on Sky against Luton and that day it just really felt like you were watching a team who, who were about to blitz the league and um, 
it's a it's a bit of a bit of a surprise that they haven't been able to do it. Yeah, all of their win, all of their losses, I should say, five defeats this season, all of them away from home against Coventry, Charlton, Shrewsbury, Sunderland, and Wickham. So all of them decent sides. All of those results that you can't get that angry about unless you want them to be the top team in the league, uh, and that's what their fans want. And that's what we thought they were going to be, uh, especially after. As you say, those first four, five, six games. So um, they, they have dropped off a little bit. Um, very impressive away win against Blackpool. Um, they beat Accrington away not that long ago. Certainly all not lost for Barnsley. They've got a front two that is the envy of the league. They've got a, a, a centre-back pairing that I think is the best in the league, arguably, alongside the, the Pompey back line. What they don't have necessarily are the full-backs and the wide men, for me. Uh, that match that so I, th- I think they are a few players away and it'd be interesting to see if they can do some business in, in January having done very little over the summer of course um, be fascinating to see what happens and of course Barnsley and their recruitment strategy is fascinating in itself over the last few years uh, and for anyone that hasn't listened to my sit down discussion with Paul Heckingbottom from last week then I suggest you do so because I cannot imagine and there are people, Barnsley fans, Leeds fans, who will listen and who will have their own opinion about Paul Heckingbottom. If you're interested in the EFL, if you like listening to people within football talking about football and about their experiences, and you don't want cliche and you want openness, you won't find a much more of an open interview uh, than Paul Heckingbottom the other day. And that's nothing to do with me either. That is entirely to do with him and the way that he approached it and the, and the information and the openness that he gave. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. So please go and listen to that after this. We're into the top three. is Sunderland. <sighs> Sunderland. Uh, what a funny one. It's no secret that uh, over the last few weeks... Um, I think you should talk about Sunderland today. Yeah? Yeah, rather. I think I've said enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been lost in the noise a little bit. Um... I, first and foremost, should say that your analysis of Sunderland over the last four, five, six weeks, um, I'm not opposed to it. I, I would say I'm not 100% with it. Again, that would be that would be boring. That would be dull. I think there's something to be said for um, the quality of player that they have, um, especially going forward, that has meant that in periods of games, and as I said on the FL Matters, this is a side that can play 10 out of 10 uh, in terms of League One level. I don't think there are many other teams that can boast that. Truly can play 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of a game at a 10 out of 10 level and win games because of that. But I also 100% recognise, as do, we should say, a lot of the fans, that this is also a team that spends a lot of their games playing at a, a 6 out of 10 level. And that's the reality. There's a lot of... I think 6 is kind. Five, four, four, five, six, whatever it is. And there's, a, there's often a suggestion that Sunderland have won games this season without playing at their best. Now, uh, the next step is whether you think that means they're going to get better throughout the season or whether that's a concern for you. For you, that's a concern. For me, generally, that is a concern as well. Um, and I do agree with you. It's why we don't have them um, walloping their way into the top two here because uh, ever since the Sunderland thing started, ever, th- ever since... Uh, you flagged up that the data, that the underlying numbers, the performance data was concerning. 
they have had some very, very disappointing results. And a lot of those have been murkied, if that's a word, which it isn't, by red cards. Uh, Sunderland red cards specifically. They've had a lot of them this season. And there's a lot of games in which they've had red cards that, that are very hard to analyse because you say, like you can about that Portsmouth game on the weekend, well, it was very even up until the red card. Like that game against Walsall. Well, it was nil-nil up until the red card. Then they went 2-0 down. Then they came back to draw 2-2. Makes these games very, very hard to analyse for us. But even when it's 11 v 11, I agree with you. I don't think that this side currently is a top two side. Uh, And that's why we have them in third. The recognition of having them in third for me and the reason why I won that battle over you is that I do think that the the calibre of player they have, the fact that McGeady is getting stronger, getting better, contributing more, the fact that They've got players returning from injury. Um, I think they are uh, one very good centre-back away from from taking a small step upwards that would really let them challenge even more. So we've got Sunderland in third. We've got Luton in second. It's the same top two as we've got at the moment. Um, it, it's, it's tough, this Portsmouth and Luton duo, isn't it? Because... You can't really say anything negative about either side. Definitely not. And I, I think you'd be crazy to not have them as your top two at the moment. Um, they're both absolutely rampant. Uh, Luton flying so high. Uh, they've really put their early season jitters behind them. Um, and they are scoring goals and winning games at will. Um, I think the Portsmouth result against Sunderland was huge. Uh, their home form's not been as good as their away form. Um, and the red card, of course, helped. But just to get that win against a, a promotion um, rival is really important it's incredible to me that Luton's four defeats have come away at Portsmouth away at Peterborough away at Doncaster and away at Barnsley so out of the top six or out of the top seven I should say they've lost away at, at, at four of them and they haven't lost to anyone else home or away now if that's going to be the case if they're just losing away at the very very top teams and they've already played the majority of them. You know, of course they'll lose more games this season. But going into every game now, having got those ones out of the way, it's so hard to see where they where they lose a game. The 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 attacking threat from Luton comes from all over the pitch. We saw a goal yesterday in which Shinny in midfield plays a a forty five yard pass over the top of the defence onto the chest of the right back who chests it down and volleys in with his weaker foot. That summed up the threat that they have. We had Danny Hilton coming off the bench and for another, uh, for a consecutive game, making an impact, winning a penalty this time, which Collins finished. At this stage, the only thing for me that, that could make a difference is if their diamond formation is somehow counteracted in some way that is obvious and easy for opposition to do. As, ca- as games come thick and fast through the winter, through the beginning of spring, it seems unlikely that teams in League One are going to have the time and, frankly, the ability to counteract it um, mid-season. So it's looking very, very good for Luton. Uh, and Portsmouth, word on Portsmouth. We've had nothing but words on Portsmouth all season. They've been right at the top. But just sum up what we think about them uh, for the listeners, for the Pompey listeners. Send them home happy for Christmas. Yes, yeah, it's, it's easy to wax lyrical about them, really. Um... All, all across the park, they have a fantastic defence, promising young players. Um, a lot said about about Lowe and Curtis, of course. That you know they, they look two amazing talents. You have to be again a bit concerned that there may be some uh, some offers coming in in January. But um, Kenny Jack is doing a marvellous job there, and, and 
I don't see how, I don't see where the chink in the armour is. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? I mean, they're spending, it seems, 100, 150k on, on a player from Rochdale, Andy Cannon. Suggestions that that might mean Ben Thompson, uh, who's been on loan from Millwall, might be heading back to Millwall. You could see why Millwall might look at his performances and think we could do with a bit of that in our own midfield. Um, but it just shows the uh, the ambition is there. Um, bit of money there if they need it. We called them in pre-season. This team is going to win their games at home 2-0. I don't think we envisage them being this good away from home, but they are. And we just believed them to be about to become a solid winning football team. No fuss. Eight out of ten. Every single game. That's what they are. And at the moment, with 51 points from 23 games, it's almost impossible to envisage what could go wrong. Famous last words. Um, thanks so much for listening to this, guys. Uh, it's been the League One redraw of the predictions of our early season predictions. Um, get in touch with us at NTT20Pod. We're very happy to share our pre-season predictions and you can see what's changed. I'm just going to recap what we've picked out today. Portsmouth and Luton as our top two, as is at the moment. A, a playoff picture of Sunderland, Barnsley, Charlton and Doncaster. Outside the playoffs, it's a, a bit of a shit show, to be honest. A bit of a mix. Peterborough, Blackpool, Shrewsbury, Oxford round out the top ten. Coventry, Wickham, Bradford in at 13th. Southend, 14th. Accrington, 15th. Fleetwood, 16th. 17th, Burton, followed by Walsall, Rochdale and Gillingham just hovering above the relegation zone. A bottom four, again, no headlines necessarily, as is at the moment. Bristol Rovers, Plymouth, Wimbledon and bottom club, we've got Scunthorpe. We hope that this has been an enjoyable listen for you. For many of you, it may not be. For many of you, we hope it will be. We hope you've enjoyed the season so far. We're so thrilled that you choose to tune in and listen to us. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We've done the same for the Championship and for League Two as well. So make sure you enjoy those as well. And have a fantastic Christmas. Thank you so, so much for listening.